We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden and Fachi. It's a special day because it is a Setting the Pace trade deadline podcast where we come up with our fake trades, one of my favorite episodes of the entire year. Fachi, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. And trade season, it's always a magical time of the year. You know, kind of similar to draft season where anything could happen. And we we're talking about, I think I read Scotto put out a great article Talking about, I think it was like 58 players removed last year at the deadline, and it feels like it's been too quiet out there. The Pacers, <laughs> hey, they got flexibility. They got picks. Anything can happen this deadline. And Alex, it's approaching. It's going to be here before we know it, less than two weeks away. Yeah, absolutely. And so you guys are right. The Miles Turner extension that happened over the weekend did put a bit of a wrinkle into probably some of our trade ideas, and not even just if we were thinking about trading Miles, but the fact that it took up a lot of our cap space now because you have to realize with everything that's happened, the Pacers have $10.7 million in cap space remaining now after all this is done. Now, technically, I still believe they have a Lance Stevenson cap hold on the books per Tony East, but that is obviously going to be removed. Obviously, they don't care that much about it, so they will have $10.7 million in cap space. So that does change things because before that, you had about 25, 27, something like that. So this does make it a little bit more difficult to take on some lopsided trades, but I think there's still a, a possibility here, Fachi, that you know we can find some pretty good deals with the cap space or without it. Yeah, only the San Antonio Spurs have more cap space for this season than Indiana Pacers. So even after that yeah. Turner extension, which was a brilliant move by the front office, we still have the ability to come out on top on some of these deals. So I'm excited to get into it. Who's going first? 
I'll let you. Do you want to go first or me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. All okay. Right. So we're going <laughs> to, and just so everyone who's listening works their way, understands, we're going to work our way up from, not to say the worst trade, but maybe the 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 least sexiest trade, and we'll work our way up. So okay. my first trade, it's a trade involving the Utah Jazz and the Indiana Pacers. We heard this man is available. We have kicked his name around from time to time recently. It's Jared Vanderbilt. So in this trade, it's going to be Jared Vanderbilt going to the Pacers for the Cleveland Cavaliers' first-round pick. Now, the recent article that came out today from Michael Scott was basically saying that around the league, the value or asking price for Vanderbilt appears to be a first-round pick. Look, good player. Real solid defensive upgrade from what we have at the four. This is a guy who's averaging about nine points and eight rebounds on about 55% shooting but not worthy of the Pacers' first-round pick. He's also under contract at $4.6 million next year. What are your thoughts for the Cleveland Cavaliers' first-round pick for Jared Vanderbilt? Yeah, my only question is, do the Jazz want more than just that first-round pick? That's the only thing, because I know that's what the article said, and I'm not going to go against you there. I just wonder, do they value you know Jared Vanderbilt more than a, you know like the 24th pick in the draft, something like that? Yeah, and, and, and that's, it's a good question. That's why I didn't start with the Boston Celtics pick because I did feel like the value wasn't quite there for the Jazz who already have a bunch of picks coming into them from the Nets and, and uh, the Timberwolves and so on. So if they needed, if the Pacers needed to throw in, you know, maybe a second-round pick here or there, not the Houston second-round pick. Okay, that's what I was going to ask I, you I'd next. I'd be all right. Yeah, hey, uh, great minds think alike. We've been doing this for quite some time. <laughs> so that's where I'm at, but I'm not looking to throw in a young player in addition to that first-round pick. Well, that was my question because I'm just thinking, well, what if the Rockets pick was involved? Would you do the Rockets pick and the Celtics pick instead of the Cavs pick? Because, you know, that Cavs pick is like six spots, you know, closer to the middle of the draft where – the Celtics pick is probably going to be right there at 30, and then the Rockets is like 31. So I don't know if dealer Danny is going to do that deal just because Danny Ainge is like the devil to deal with. But he really is. <laughs> I don't like doing anything like that because I feel like he always tries to get the upper hand. But I think the Pacers are smart enough to know not to overpay for him. But it is. What if what if O'Shea Brissett was involved in the trade plus pick 24? Like the Cavs so pick. That is the one player I also toyed around because look, I. Initial thought, what about Goga? Look, I don't think they're that interested in Goga after the way that Walker Kessler's played this year. Goga said yeah. to hit free agency. O'Shea is that guy that I can't get a read on if the Pacers value him long-term. So I think he's a perfect player for Utah to take a flyer on for the rest of the season and then see they'll have cap space. I think that I would rather include O'Shea than the Houston Rockets pick. Okay, and I and I probably agree with you there. He has an expiring contract too, so you know Terry Taylor has a team option for next year. Maybe they'd be interested in taking on Terry Taylor as another guy to throw in their Fachi. But I I think going after Vanderbilt is a smart move. I've I'm that's somebody I brought up on our top list right there. I think it was in my top five. So I uh, I like Vanderbilt a lot. So if they could get this done, I, I would be all for it. I just wonder what the actual asking price is and what other teams would bring to the table as well. I do think other teams would be offering a first-round pick, so it could be one of those where those picks are very comparable to the Pacers. I don't think anyone is offering a lottery pick, so I think you're talking about in the 20s, right around where that Cavs pick is a competitive offer, but like 
the Cavs pick and O'Shea is probably a bit of a sweetener right over there that could get the deal done. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that idea at all. So um not a bad, not a bad first trade, Fachi. Mine's a little bit more boring, so I'll just quickly go through it. And this is a trade between the Indiana Pacers and the San Antonio Spurs. Mm. A name you mentioned just a few minutes ago, Goga Batadze. Oh. Going to the San Antonio Spurs for a 2024 Lakers second round pick. My big thought process on this: Look, the, the Spurs have a ton of cap space. They can easily take in Goga's contract without giving anything back of contract worthy to the Pacers, so they don't have to really give up on any young players to get him. The Pacers get a second round pick just to kind of, you know, let Goga have a chance to have a new home. And here's the thing: We've been hearing. All season long, Yaka Pirtle is a name that could be on the move. This would provide a huge opportunity for Goga to get some minutes at the center position for the San Antonio Spurs if they are to move off of Yaka Pirtle. Now, one thing that I think makes some sense is the Spurs could just flat out sign Goga in free agency next year if they wanted to. But I think this also gives them an opportunity for like the final three months of the year to get a chance to see how Goga fits into their system. Is Goga somebody that Pop likes, or is Goga somebody that they don't like? I think giving up a second-round pick from the Lakers, I think it's protected. I'm not sure exactly what all the protections are on it, but I'm just saying it's not really giving up much to, to make it happen, and it gives them an opportunity, and the Pacers then free up $4 million for the rest of this season. So if they made that trade first, then that would open up $14 million or maybe even $15 million in cap space to to maybe make another lopsided trade if they wanted to. So the Pacers don't really get anything here, but they're finding Goga a new home for a second-round pick, which you can always trade those later too. Alex, I'm going to be honest. I'd package Goga for a Gatorade and some beef jerky. So <laughs> at this point, you're talking about the Lakers' second-round pick, I'm in. But also it feels like, I don't know, it just feels like Pop, if Pop can't get the most out of Goga, I don't know who could. And and to your point, with Jakob Hurdle being most likely being on the move, I do think this is a good opportunity for them to test drive Goga a bit before they look to, you know, solidify a, an actual contract with him. So I think it's something that the Spurs could very well be interested in, and I am definitely interested in. And I think mm -hmm. the rest of the Pacer fan base would as well, because we just got to find Goga a new home. It would be a shocker to see him back in a Pacers uniform next season. Yeah, it kind of gives me similar vibes when the Pacers traded TJ Leaf to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I believe they had to give up a second-round pick to get off they of TJ Leaf, though, so you're not really doing that. I don't think Goga's nearly as bad as TJ Leaf is, but it also kind of gives me some Jalen Smith vibes from last year where you're not getting a veteran guy back like a Torrey Craig, like the Suns did in this trade. But, you know, Jalen Smith was a guy that was out of the rotation. The Suns didn't really value him at all, and they were ready to move on. They obviously didn't pick up his qualifying offer, so he was going to be a free agent, and they could, you know, like the Pacers only had so much money to be able to bring him back. So it was smart for them to move him, I think, with the reporting out there that Goga is looking for a new home or the Pacers are, you know, wanting to find a new home for Goga. I just think that Goga screams San Antonio Spurs to me. I just... Yes. A foreign, you know, international center is what Popovich has always been able to find. The, he's been able to find the most out of those guys. So, you know, it's a good opportunity for Goga, I think, to to, to get some minutes here on a bad team. And then maybe Popovich can get the best out of it. I could really see Goga putting up some meaningless stats in San Antonio for the second half of the season. <laughs> Enough for people to say, whoa, maybe Indiana overlooked this. It's like, no, we didn't. But look, if he could be happy elsewhere... 
then that makes me happy. So sign me up for your deal. For my next deal, it's a name that we've tossed around. Seems to be one of the hotter names amongst Pacer fans right now who's available. It's Obi Toppin. And it's a deal involving the Knicks. So the Pacers in this deal for Obi Toppin are going to be sending Chris Duarte and the Cleveland Cavaliers' first-round pick. So hear me out over here. Duarte, I think, can crack the Knicks rotation right away. Fits what they want to do defensively. The Pacers make a move to hopefully figure out their power forward spot long term. The Cavs first round pick, it's one of the three picks that we have. I just don't know who you could really tempt with that Celtics pick if you're looking to get a you know lottery type talent like Obi Toppin. And I also feel like we avoid that log jam at the two guard spot. I really feel like Duarte's value has come up the last few weeks. When I don't know if you could have necessarily done this trade maybe about three weeks ago, but now it feels like you could. Is it an overpay or is it just right? So it's Chris Duarte, a 2020, uh, 2023 cast pick for Obi, for Obi Toppin. Mm. Yes. Depends on how much you believe in Obi Toppin. That's the million dollar question. Um, it, it is. And he is under contract signed for next year before he hits restricted free agency. So it's not like one of those where. You know, why don't you just wait until the offseason? I think mm-hmm. there's a big opportunity for him that, you know, with this young Pacers group, he could grow with this core. Uh, I do think he's one of the better players that is struggling to get minutes because he's playing behind Julius Randle, who is having a very good season. Do you have to give the pick up to get the trade done? I think you do because the, the Knicks are stockpiling assets. I think that they they regret not having a better offer for Donovan Mitchell. So I do think they want that first round pick, but I don't think you could just get Obi for a first round pick. I think they're also going to want someone that can help them win now. And Dorte feels like someone that could help them win now. I don't think you could get away with O'Shea Brissett in this deal. And I really, mm. to be honest, debated Aaron Neesmith instead. Instead of Duarte? Yes. Okay. What's the logic there? I'm just curious your thoughts. The logic is I know that the Knicks are going to be looking for someone who can, you know, three and D, basically yeah. like that. And I felt like it was between Neesmith, it was between Duarte, but I feel like Neesmith fills a hole that we have where Duarte is becoming a bit more expendable for us, given that we also have Buddy Heald, Benedict Matherin at the two-guard spot. Nemhard can play the two. It feels like we got a lot over there. If we can clear up that two-guard rotation – I think it could do us, uh, not to say wonders, but could make things a little bit easier for others. Yeah, I would say that I think Duarte probably still, that's tough because I know we did our trade value thing, but I think amongst the league, there's probably a better chance Duarte has more value than Aaron Neesmith won one less year on that rookie deal, right? So, you know, Neesmith is going to be up for a contract extension at, at next season where Duarte still would have two years under team control and, and, and the rest of this year. So, to me, I still feel like Duarte probably across the league has more value. And Should. I think when we did our trade value thing, it was more so what we think for their importance to the Pacers. So, yeah, it, that's a tough one, Foch. I would say that I'm not the biggest OB Toppin believer at this point. I do think that it could be fun. I like the idea of OB Toppin. But I'm just curious, is this a move that really – gets us over the hump, or do you think that maybe a Duarte trade with something else, maybe for a better power forward, is the right move to do? Oh, if, if you if you buckle up, I might have a few of okay. those coming up soon. So this is but, one that's, it, it basically, this is one that you're like, okay, this is like an option if 
other things aren't available. Yes, this okay. is not choice one. And okay. this this is why it's, it's number four on my list. Gotcha. Look, I know you, you might not be a big Obi believer. I am. I like it's... Obi. I like Obi. I mean, anybody yeah. named Obi is fun. Okay. Star hey, Wars that, reference, that right? That's true. Yep. Yep. I, I just feel like he's going to be someone that when he does get a bigger opportunity and when he has gotten a bigger opportunity, he sees it. It just hasn't been a large enough sample size. So I think this is a time where the Pacers are, this is more of taking a flyer on a high upside player rather than getting over the hump. And I have some of those trades later that are getting over the hump. Yeah. I wonder if you could even do a Jalen Smith for Obi Toppin trade to make it work. My reasoning here is because Jalen Smith has three years left on his deal with a team option on that third year defensive guy that can block shots, can shoot the three. I think this might be somebody that Tom Thibodeau could be interested in as a big. I just, you know, kind of the style that he plays. And he can also play some insurance uh, small ball five if you if you want to go that route because they like to play big. I could see them playing him at the four as well. So just throwing that out there instead, obviously it makes sense. But if they do trade Obi, they don't have a lot of uh, forward depth either, Fachi. Mm-hmm. Nope, it, it's it's very true. So, um, yeah, it, it'd be an interesting trade. I, I think it's one that could swing either way. Would definitely be curious to hear some some Nick fans' uh, views on it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Have, I have plenty of Nick friends, so I'll have to swing it by them and see what they think. But what do you got for your next deal? Yeah, so my next one here, it's another boring one, Fachi. So, you know, I I told you I tried to keep the same players out of all my deals. I think there's one where I had to cross over because of the salary stuff. But uh, my second trade is a Daniel Tice trade, Fachi. And he's going back to your old hometown, Washington, D.C. We're sending Daniel Tice to the Washington Wizards for Will Barton and a 2025 second-round pick where Detroit owns the swap rights to. Now, you're thinking, What is this deal and why does it make sense? Well, let me just tell you. Will Barton has appeared in just 38 games this season and is not starting. The Wizards have hopes to make the playoffs and Daniel Tice could be a nice rotation big for them. This is a very boring deal, but Indiana has the cap space to do this deal. And with Barton's expiring contract, they could easily buy him out and have extra cap space in the summer. Washington, now listen to this, only has Gafford, Porzingis, the ghost of Taj Gibson, and Vernon Carey Jr. in their center rotation, Fachi. So this is a team that's trying to make the playoffs or trying to be a play-in team. Daniel Tice, he's getting healthy. He should be making or could be making his debut uh, the week that they play the Lakers and the Kings. Whenever you're listening to this, that would be the first week of February. So not like Daniel Tice is a guy that's going to really move the needle, but Will Barton is a buyout candidate for the Wizards. If they could get some front court depth, to maybe add to their rotation. I think that they might be interested in it. They could look to move Barton as well and include him in another deal just because he isn't expiring. Maybe that does entice him a little bit more to do something a little bit more splashier. But I still think that they're the Wizards and they're going to make dumb trades, but they do all the time. And they want to be competitive. And I think Daniel Tice could help them be competitive with their front court rotation. So that's why I like this deal. I would love to believe that Daniel Tice could make them more competitive, but I, I think the league needs to see something first. And it's not like Tice is going to explode on the scene for a 20 and 10 game, you know, in his first week back, but it, it's a limited amount of um, time to get out on the court before the deadline. If I'm a Pacer fan, you know, which I am, I'm doing this deal. It really, I mean, you're, you're looking at Barton, he's shooting 37% from three. He's been a good three point shooter in the past. I don't see him long term over here, but 
you know, this is a way for the Pacers to get off about eight to nine million dollars in cap space from Daniel Tice. So for next year. Yes, for next year. That is a good motive over there. I personally would do the deal hesitant to see if Washington does just because I think they could potentially shop Barton around and it may be a deal that helps them a little bit more. But he definitely got a good point. And Taj Gibson, Vernon Carey Jr., they ain't providing anything over there outside of Porzingis, who is typically hurt, and um, Daniel Gafford, who is yeah. you know, a so-so center. And that's, that's the reason I'm thinking, like, because if you're looking at teams that need Daniel Tice, it's just like, okay, everybody's going to throw at the Clippers, right? Everybody's going to say the Clippers for this deal. Well, the Clippers, I mean, do they really want to pay that much for Daniel Tice when he hasn't played all year? That's why I'm like, okay, at least the Wizards have contracts they're really wanting to get off of. And I think Will Barton only playing in 38 games, I mean, that's pretty uh, telling of what they think of him and how that trade's worked out for him. And I don't think the Pacers would really keep him around long-term either. I think they'd probably buy him out. Or, good. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what they did with Tristan Thompson last year. They bought him out as well, let him go to Chicago. I think they could do the same thing here, give him a chance to go to a playoff team and you know, take care of him, find Daniel Tice a chance to get a uh, find him a home where he can has a chance to play in the playoffs or the play in game. And you save yourself some cap space, get a second round pick. That's not going to be great, but it's, you know, 2025. It's it's worth adding up and stockpiling those second round picks for future assets. I could already hear Carl after a after game. So uh, Will's going to rejoin Denver. Um, you know, <laughs> it was it was Heading nice to a team out west. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, one of those where it, the, the stay doesn't last too long, but I would still do the deal if possible because yeah. I just love that mystery box of, of you know salary cap flexibility moving forward, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what you get when you get off of the Daniel Tice deal. Yeah. Now, my next deal, Number I going to do what you did of saying, this one's a little boring because it's not, all right? This <laughs> one gets a little, you know, a little spicy over there. Let's hear it, baby. It's, it's a trade involving the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh. Now, in this deal, the Pacers are sending out Jalen Smith and the Boston Celtics first-round pick, and in return, they're getting Jaden McDaniels and a salary throw-in in Nathan Knight. Uh, Nathan Knight was just someone that made the salary work over here, but... Jaden McDaniels, a true jack of all trades. He can defend one through four. I know they'll say one through five, but look, one through four is, is more realistic. He's got great length at six foot nine. He plays the four. Uh, he's averaging 11 and a half points, four rebounds. He's shooting 52% from the field, 38% from three. He's giving you a block per game, a steal per game. This guy's really doing it all. Jalen Smith enables the Timberwolves to stay competitive now. He's under contract for a very friendly deal uh, moving forward. And then also you're recouping a first-round pick while it's not a great first-round pick. It's a a pick for a team that is, well, running out of picks because they traded a lot for Rudy Gobert. Alex, what are your thoughts on this deal? Bocce, if this trade happened, build Kevin Pritchard a statue, okay? He's pulled Jaden McDaniels is a starter for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He is the guy they would not include in the Rudy Gobert trade. They traded everything and every pick they had for Rudy Gobert, but they're like, we didn't trade Jaden McDaniels, and they made sure they put that out there. When I first heard this trade idea, I thought you were going to say Najee Reed. I was not expecting anything remotely close to Jaden McDaniels, and I was trying to hide my face behind my mic because I was laughing so hard when I heard this trade. I love the boldness, and I love your desires to get Jaden McDaniels, and I'm not trying to throw straight at you. But there's no chance this trade goes down, Fachi. You would have to include uh, probably Chris Duarte with 
Jalen Smith plus a Pacers future first round pick. That's not even one of the bad ones. I mean, that's how much they value this guy. So yes, Jaden McDaniels is the exact type of player this Pacer team needs. And I want him bad on this team. I want him. I want him too. But this trade, Fachi, I'm sorry, but this is the most unrealistic trade I've heard from you this uh, this hey, episode so far. I will definitely take an L on this one. <laughs> I crunched a lot of trades today going through this. I got honorable mentions. I got trades okay. that were cut off. But, you know, regardless, I want Jade McDaniels. It doesn't sound like it's happening. Don't want to pay. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> don't want to pay over the top for him because there are other players that sound like they are far more available. So, hey, I'm willing to take an L here. Well, it's not that I'm not that I'm mad at you or like trying to make fun of you. I'm just like Jaden McDaniels does mean so much of that team. Like if they were like going on like a fire cell, like okay, the Go Bear thing's bad. We don't He's like bad. Towns, and they really wanted to trade off everything. Then maybe there's a chance you could get him. But Anthony Edwards has been playing better. They've been playing a little bit better basketball as of late. I love Jaden McDaniels, and he's probably one of my like favorite non-pacers in the league that I like just to watch play basketball. So. Yes, I would love him on this team. No doubt about it. He's a guy that you want. But I just don't think this is a very realistic uh, trade proposal. Now, you can you can counter that with me and, and, and give me some of your thoughts back because I don't yeah. want to just hammer you here. No, no I'm good. I don't want to okay. go through a whole wormhole of this. Uh, so I was just trying <laughs> to think of a trade that would be competitive. So rather than throw out two or three other offers, I'll just say, all right, you know what? Hey, you might have to crumple this one. Just throw it out. Okay. Well, I'll move over to one that's a lot less sexy, but it has the same name involving uh, a trade here, and that is Jalen Smith is involved in this trade, Pachi, but it's a straight-up trade. Okay. And it's a guy that I mentioned a couple weeks ago that we made a joke about, but I I think it's actually an interesting trade, and that is to the Los Angeles Clippers for Amir Coffey. Now, hear me out on this one. Jalen Smith. I'll hear you out. What do we got? Jalen Smith has been so bad this year, Pachi. He was promised a starting position. He lost that starting position, went to the bench, played back up five for a bit, lost that position to Isaiah Jackson and Terry Taylor as of late. Jalen Smith has regressed as a player from when the Pacers traded him. I don't think his value is super high. There might be some people that have value in him, but I think with Jalen Smith, with Miles Turner getting that extension, I think it's time the Pacers either decide between Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith on who to move and me and you both probably agree that Isaiah Jackson feels like the guy with the higher upside, so it would make sense to move Jalen Smith now. We know that the Clippers need some front court help. I think Jalen Smith is a very cheap investment for them. They could still look to find somebody on the buyout market, but I think Amir Coffey, you know, the thing with Amir Coffey in 2021-22, he had a really good season for the Clippers. I, I think he ended up shooting 54% from two, 38% from three, and 86% from the free throw line last season when he was finally given an opportunity. So it's not like it was like a bad year. He only averaged, I think, nine points. So it's not like he's putting up big numbers, that kind of thing. But he knew his role, and the Clippers were actually pretty competitive when he was in there. The Clippers have too many names on their roster for him to really get ample playing time. So he's kind of buried on their bench. I just feel like, you know, the Pacers need more players like this. Amir Coffey is six foot seven, can shoot the ball pretty well from three and defend. I feel like this is a very friendly trade that you know would benefit the Pacers in terms of what they need in terms of position wise and I think there's an actual chance that you could give Amir Coffey um, the opportunity to crack the rotation he ended up starting last year 30 of 69 games as well Flachi so uh, in 2021 2022 so I'm a believer in Amir Coffey I know that you're probably not the biggest believer but I think as a role player 
basically trading away a guy that's not in the rotation now for a guy that could maybe crack your rotation is a very thin on the margins kind of move the Pacers would make. So we've come far enough for me to realize that you aren't kidding over here. But in this deal, <laughs> I don't think this is it. Look, Amir Coffee, a two guard who could play the three. Yeah, look, you know, he did have some moments last year. Not having a good year now, so you don't want to judge him by his numbers this year. I'm looking at his numbers in, in years past. I mean, in limited fashion, you know, for two straight years, he shot basically about 40% from three. So yeah. could be a good shooter. But you already have so many, you know, you got shooters, you got you got two guards. But he's a better here. defensive player on, on the wing, and that's where Jalen Smith's not. He's a center. I mean, that's what we yes. both have agreed on, and you have so yeah. many of those. I just don't see where you're going to give him ample playing time. And so this is a very, you know, minor move. Now, I'm just defending it because I, I think that you got to find guys that are like, on the margins here that aren't really getting an opportunity because Jalen Smith, I don't really know what his value is right now. It feels pretty low to me. It's got to be low right now because there's no way it could be high. I think the best thing going for him is the amount of money that he's making right now. It just seems very low compared to, okay, Hey, you know, we could live with, you know, the five plus million dollars for the production that he's giving right now. But I just think it's too minor of a deal to trade a guy who willingly re-signed here for less money. That's a fair point. If you're going to trade Jalen Smith, I think you got to trade it and trade him in a move that makes us better as a team. Because right now, Jalen Smith, it's a rough year. Don't get me wrong. There's no way around it. But I think that you know he could potentially bounce back next year. Or if you're going to trade him, just just do it for something that could mean something a little bit more. Because you could be sending a message to guys: Hey, don't take a pay cut in Indiana. They'll they'll do you dirty. Well, and that's a fair point because that was kind of my point that I brought up a while ago with trading Jalen Smith. Like the Pacers really got to be careful with how they it's do that risk. because he did take a big gamble on coming back to them. So I, I get your point there. Like this is such a minor move. Don't do this. Now, the only reason I was thinking you could make this move is look, you just tell Jalen Smith, like we know it's not been what you wanted. We can send you to a ch- team that's got a real chance in the playoffs. And he might be intrigued by that. I'm not saying that he would be, but if he was, you know, you're sending them out to the Clippers. They're the smaller team in L.A. You know, they're not the Lakers. And I think that he actually could be a pretty good big for them off the bench behind Zubac and could provide them some rim protection and some potential three-point shooting for the playoffs. I mean, the fact that he couldn't even crack the rotation for the Suns two years ago is just laughable. Um, they invested the 10th overall pick in him. You got to give that guy an opportunity. And I feel like even this year with the Pacers, he's good, he's been given a, a decent opportunity. But just imagine if they really had gone through with what they said they were going to do and, you know, trade Miles and Buddy at the beginning of the year. I think by giving him all that time at the starting at the starting five or whatever he was going to play, we would have seen much more growth from him. It's just been not a lot of opportunities. And we know that there's just not a lot of chances for him to make mistakes. I feel bad. I really do, because he's had a handful of did not play coaches decisions. And it's just it's upsetting because he was like that guy that we were so excited about. And mm-hmm. it feels like playing time is really something that he valued when he re-signed with the Pacers. It was A, a starting spot, B, being able to develop with his team. And it just feels like the starting spot he lost. Now he's he's losing just a spot in the rotation. So if he goes over to the Clippers, he, he does kind of run that risk of maybe he's out of their rotation a little bit. You would think he would be in there because they're trying to win now. But, I mean, the Pacers are, you know, they're not going to tell you they're not trying to win because they are. And he yeah. still ain't getting on the court at times. So it's it's tough, but I'm, I'm against this move. Okay, okay. So there we go. We didn't like our three, our number three trades very much. So let's move on to your number four then. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Number, number two, I should yes. say. Sorry. Yes, exactly. Number two. Number two, you knew his name was going to come up eventually. It's John Collins. Okay, right? hit me, brother. And it's the Pacers and the Hawks making a deal. And in this, we're talking about another name that we mentioned, Jalen Smith. He's once again on the trade block. It's Jalen Smith, Chris Duarte, and the Cleveland Cavaliers' first-round pick for John Collins. Alex, you can go a couple routes. Some people could think this is an overpay. It could just be enough to get the deal done. But here's where we're at. Pacers have roughly about, you know, we talked about it, between 10 to $11 million in cap space remaining. So this, this deal, you know, puts them, I, th- I think, just a, a hair bit over the cap space, but not in the tax area. Uh, the Pacers get their, their power forward for years to come. He's got three years left on his deal, roughly about $78 million. You know, I, it's it's that could scare some teams off. But I think at this point, you, you trade Jalen Smith because there's definitely not going to be an opportunity there. You're looking at that Cavs pick that's really, you know, so-so, roughly around 25th overall. And then Duarte, who once you believed in big time, I think he's got his value up enough to be a featured piece of a deal. What do you think of Jalen Smith, Duarte, the Cavs pick for John Collins? Yeah, so I have a John Collins trade that I'll get to at the end. It's my last one here. So okay, okay. I, I do like John Collins. I think he is somebody that's worth going after. I, I think the Pacers, there's a reason they've been linked to him pretty much since his name has been through the cycle. So I do like that. Um, what is interesting, Fachi, it does, he does have three more years on this contract mm-hmm. after this one. So it's a lot of money. But at the same time, you know, with where everything's been at right now, with how we got all these deals lined up, you know, 
it's going to be a lot of money to pay him in that final year, but you could always trade him if it doesn't work out. Now, if it does work out, you figure things out and that kind of thing. And I want to say it's a player option in that final year as well. And that is the same season, I believe. I might be wrong on that, but you can maybe look that up for me. But uh, yep, the, the, the nice thing, even if it's not, it is what it is. But if it is a player option, you know that he's probably going to decline. Is. So he's probably going to decline because that's the year the TV money is supposed maybe. to hit. Okay. So he could If he plays well. So that's what I'm saying. You could have maybe potentially him and Turner off the books in 2025, in the summer of 2025, which is only two years away. So that could be enticing as well. But I do like John Collins. I think Duarte, Jalen Smith, and the Cavs pick, you said. Yep. Plus the anything else, or is that it? No, that's it. Okay, okay. That's pretty fair. I mean, I don't hate it. I think if the Pacers could work this deal out, it would be beneficial to them because they kind of do a two-for-one, get off some guys on their on their books, and they don't have to worry about paying Chris Duarte when his rookie extension comes up. And – they can open up a roster spot. So I don't actually hate this trade at all. Just curious if the Hawks are looking for more or what, but I I think that's pretty fair. I think at this point, John Collins' value is not where it's been in years past. I think the asking price would have been higher last year or even two years ago, but now his value has gone down. I think this is a trade that no one's going to say the Pacers robbed the Hawks. I think it's a pretty fair deal. The Mm -hmm. Hawks get pieces that they can win now, but you also get a first-round pick. I think it's a good trade for both. I'm on board with it, obviously, because I created it, but I would definitely yeah. be interested to hear what others think about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of different variations of John Collins trades, I feel yes. like, because it's been out there a lot. So um, I'll save mine for last just because it was my big one, and I'll let okay. you talk about that there. But this is my next one, and this one is a little bit interesting, Fachi, so I'm, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this one. All right. This is me. This is me digging deep right here on a Ooh. on a Saturday morning while I'm at a coffee shop with my wife. So, Chris Duarte, Gogo Batadze, and a 2025 second that we got from the Miami Heat to the Orlando Magic for Jonathan Isaac and a lottery protected first round pick from the Denver Nuggets that they got in a trade in 2025. Now, let me give you my logic here on why I did okay. this trade. Obviously, we know that. The Magic have been rumored to be trading or looking to trade Gary Harris mm-hmm. and Terrence Ross, who's an on an expiring deal, and RJ Hampton. So they do have some holes in their backcourt. I think that Chris Duarte could be a really nice piece because of his outside shooting and his defense. Now, is he a starter? I don't know. I, I think that you can maybe make the case that he could fit with that team. But Jonathan Isaac is coming off the bench now, and you have to wonder if he's really going to embrace coming off the bench with this team. The Pacers need front court depth, but the reason I'm making them give us a protected first round pick from Denver in this trade is because Jonathan Isaac has missed the last two years with injury. So the Pacers are taking an injury risk. They're getting rid of Goga because of the salary. They don't really need it. They're giving up a second round pick. So basically it's Chris Duarte for Jonathan Isaac and a first round pick. And you know, you're giving them kind of a caveat here to get off that Jonathan Isaac money. And you're giving them an opportunity to see a guy that's on the second year of a rookie contract to to play with them. So when I sent this to somebody, they basically said, I don't think the Pacers do this deal. They 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 said, because Chris Duarte has got more value. So that's why I threw in the first round pick there to kind of sweeten the deal a little bit. So I'm curious your thoughts on this one. This is interesting because I went back and forth whether I was going to include Jonathan Isaac on my list and I ended up, you know, I ended up removing him. Okay, But it gets a little bit more interesting because I pulled up his contract while you were talking. And for next season, 
7.6 million out of the 17.4 is guaranteed. Okay. The following year, 2024, 2025, nothing's guaranteed. Oh, wow. Non-guaranteed. Very interesting. And that is what kind of sways me to saying that I would be interested in rolling the dice because you got to remember, Jonathan Isaac, we talked about it. They hadn't played in a while, but back in the bubble, whew, before this man got hurt, he looked like he was doing it all. Mm-hmm. So this is a good opportunity, and he's still really young. He's 25. 25, yeah. So fits the timeline what the Pacers are looking to do. Duarte, Goga, what is there, a second-round pick in there, yeah. as you said? 25, yeah. I think. And then you're talking about also getting a first-round pick. Yeah, right, a 2025 Nuggets pick was was it? Yeah, obviously the Nuggets pick's probably going to be pretty bad. It might not, but be it's good, a first round pick. It's another asset. It's an yeah. asset in this situation. I would do the deal, and you can't look at Isaac's stats now. He just came back about a week ago. He's yeah. got to get his feet underneath him. And you know what? Maybe this is kind of a lost season for him. Maybe he regains a little bit about who he was later on. But I like the fact that that final year in the deal is non guaranteed. And only about half of next year is guaranteed. So it's really not that crazy. And also that deal, when he signed it, looked expensive. It's $17.4 million a year, which is in the modern NBA. That, that's that's not that much. Yeah. So I'm actually in on this deal. Yeah. I didn't okay. think I was going to be, but somehow little by little, I got broken down. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, obviously it's like, I like the idea of Jonathan Isaac probably more than Jonathan Isaac. I agree with that statement. Yeah. Right there. You know, and, and, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't want to, am I selling too low on Duarte? It's like, ah, it's tough because you know, it, it's just like, it's a guy like the Pacers have really tried to get away from going after injury prone players after all the debacle they went through with the Karis Levert, Victor Oladipo, TJ Warren stuff, Malcolm Brogdon stuff. You know, they I think they really want to clear that bill and not have the the injury prone guys. So that was kind of like my hesitancy with this trade. But it's like they got Wagner, they got Boncaro. Nobody else really moves a needle for me on that team in terms of a trade. Uh, you know, I've been a uh, intrigued by Okiki, but like even he's under the rotation. So. It's like he's not moving the needle. I'm not trading Duarte for him. So that's why I'm like, give me Jonathan Isaac. This is a guy that's proven himself already that he can play in this league. I, I think that he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And I think that he would actually fit in pretty well next to Miles and Tyrese and Benedict. So that was kind of my thinking. And if you can get him for cheap, why not? He brings something pretty unique to the table. He's a really good shot blocker. I mean, let's let's just kind of look at back when he was healthy. 2019, 2020. 12 points per game, 7 rebounds, 2.3 blocks, 1.6 steals. Uh, He shot 47% from the field and 34% from three. There's a lot to like there. Can he Hmm. duplicate that again? I don't know. He's only played three games over the last few years, but I think it's it's a, a good opportunity for the Pacers to roll the dice on someone with a really high ceiling that could, if healthy, potentially uplift this team to, you know, maybe maybe winning a playoff series if everything goes right. I don't know, but maybe hopefully back into that playoff category, not the mm-hmm. play-in. Yeah, and it's interesting, Fachi. So anyway, I'll, I'll let you get the floor now and do your last trade. All right, so for my final trade, you knew his name had to come up at some point. It's OG Ananobi, and mm-hmm. we're talking about a deal with the Raptors, obviously. Now, in this trade, it's Chris Duarte. Isaiah Jackson, the Pacers' first-round pick for this year, and the Cavs' first-round pick for OG. Now, hear me out over here. Salary cap-wise, 
Works out perfectly. I don't think the Celtics pick gets the deal done. Obviously, that would be what I'm asking for first, but I think we have to include you know our pick and the Cavs pick in addition to Ijax and Duarte. Raptors enable themselves to you know go into rebuild mode with two really young players that are definitely in the rotation. You get a, a first round pick that if everything goes right and the Pacers are in that play-in uh, game, it could be right around 14 or so. And then the Cavs pick, we've heard OG is someone who potentially wants out. He's under yeah. contract for at least next season at about $17 million. And then the, fa- the final year is a player option, which I think he'll opt out of. Look at this starting lineup. Halliburton, Buddy, OG, you could go Neesmith and Turner at that point. And, I mean, it's a pretty good lineup right there, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, I'd rather have Benedict Mather in that lineup than well, Buddy Heald. And, and, and <laughs> so would I, but you figure just based off of what the Pacers are doing right now, like, do they go with your – that would be the best five, but I feel like this is probably more of what they're doing this season. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um Man, this is tough, Flash, because I really don't want to give that Pacers pick up this year. Either do I. No way they do this deal for the Celtics pick, the Cavs no. pick. It's just, it's like too much of a, meh, I don't know. What, if we what about next offer. year's pick? The, that's, that's interesting. That's you interesting. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I do. Do the Cavs pick and then do the 2024, you know, like top one protected or something like Ooh, that, top or top one, three. Something yeah. like that, like where it's not really protected, but it's just slightly protected in case... Everything just happens awful, like Halliburton, Turner, and OG all got hurt or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, the, the only thing, like you said, with him being an expiring in 2024, it does feel like it's a lot to give up already on your two guys you drafted last year, which they're yeah. not really seeing much of the rotation. I mean, Duarte's been starting the last couple of games. He's been playing better, but that's really just to get a stock up. There's no doubt about that. We know what they're doing. We're not stupid. Uh, the Pacers don't have long-term plans for Duarte, in my opinion. I mean... Maybe I am stupid, and they do, but I just I just think that all of a sudden he's starting now, and we've heard his name really surfaced around uh, all the trade rumor stuff and that he's very available. So I will just say I think that it's more likely he's gone than he's kept. But, you know, I'm not worried about him. Isaiah Jackson, like you said, you can make the case. There's a log jam now at the center position with Turner extending, so you're not as worried about it. I'm not worried about the Cavs pick. It's just that Pacers pick that I'm worried about because if it's like a – top eight pick and you could have had somebody that plays the same position as OG maybe even has higher potential than OG and you could have him on a rookie deal is that worth it so Mm -hmm. that that's that's why I'm so torn on this I love the idea of getting OG I don't love the idea of giving up this year's Pacers pick do I my theory is if we get OG then I think that pick is in the teens whether that could be 12 it could be 14 it could be right around there um, and who knows, maybe a little bit later, you know, maybe 15, but whatever. Anyway, uh, you're getting a really good two-way player who, here's the thing, he's not Paul George where he's from California or anything like that. OG is familiar with Indiana. It's not uh, uncharted territory for him. So I, I think that he could be someone that could be open to re-signing. I mean, the money's got to be right, of course, but the Pacers should have the money to be able to make that deal work. Obviously, Halliburton needs to be re-signed. That's a a first priority. But if you're going to do this deal, you do it with intentions of signing OG long-term. Of course, there's risk involved. But, you know, whether it's this year's first or next year's first, there's always going to be that risk of where does that pick land? Yeah, I I will say this. Like the teams that I've been hearing recently in terms of like OG suitors, 
Phoenix is a team that's been mentioned as an OG team. Uh, the, Knicks. Heard, the Knicks, yeah, they were one that came out today. I've heard people throw out the idea of Memphis going after OG and Anobi. Memphis would be great. I mean, and, that, and that's kind of what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like, is OG really the needle mover that he is in terms of like being our second best player? Or mm, is he know. more of like Oh, trade him to the Suns where he can be like the third or fourth, or the the Grizzlies where he's like the fourth or fifth, or you know, even like the the Raptors were talking about trying to like include him in a trade for Kevin Durant, but they weren't willing yeah. to throw in like Scotty Barnes or they yeah. weren't willing to throw in Pascal Siakam. So they're like trying to get sweeteners with like OG Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet. Like, is he really yeah. that kind of guy? I think that he is like the idea of OG Ananobi, similar to what I said about Jonathan Isaac, the idea of OG Ananobi around the league, I think a lot of people think he can be this guy, but I've never really seen OG be a two-way guy either. You know what I'm saying? Like a consistently two-way guy. Good two-way guy, not a number two on a contending team. So you're looking at like a really good third option. So basically, and I know that sounds crazy to say, but I'm talking about it from a standpoint of you got Tyrese Halliburton, you got Benedict Mathen, then there's OG, and then obviously you got Turner. So you're talking about four real good players right there. With the ability to, you know, maybe make something happen in, in the offseason, start, you start to get a, a little bit more capped at that point. But mm-hmm. that is a good team that I don't necessarily can, think can get out of the East, but you're very competitive on any given night, could beat anyone. Right. No, I, it's it's tough because I really want OG on the Pacers. Like that's the, thing. that's the thing. I really want him on here too. I'd be super excited. If they did the trade, I'd be all in. That's kind of the thing, like – if they made it and they pulled the trigger, I'd say, okay, they believe in this team enough to go for it. So I would say, Pachi, I'm like on the fence with it. I really like it. I really like the idea of getting him. I just, man, it's just, I don't know. Maybe some people would say that it's not enough picks. So maybe yeah. I'm overthinking it. I just, I just wonder, it's just, if he doesn't commit to us long term, of course, that's I mean, my biggest fear. I mean, that's, and that's the risk you have to take. And that's why I'm not a big risk taker. I've never been a big risk taker. So, that that's why I'm a little bit nervous with this one. But like you said, if the risk pays off, my my, what a reward it could be. So you don't got to twist my arm too much. I think I would probably go crazy on this podcast on a recap of this trade. Oh, <laughs> Loving so would it. I. So I'd be I'd be telling I, you just how jacked up I am and everything of the sort, <laughs> man. I really yeah, would right have- over there. Uh, right over there, and I'm starting to twist that arm a bit, Alex. This is the definition of pushing the chips in. Is this a, a Kevin Durant? No, but do we really stand a, a chance to get those type of MVP-type players? I don't think we do unless you're going to offer up a Benedict Mathurin or a Tyrese Halliburton, which we absolutely cannot do. Mm-hmm. So this is, what I, this is the type of trade I think we can pull off by trading pieces, not – Four pieces, but pieces that that we could live without, but could also be appealing to a team like Toronto entering a rebuild. So I don't yeah. think this is the deal that gets us to, to an NBA Finals, but I think it's a deal that makes us a competitive team night in, night out with the chance that, hey, you know what, if things go right, maybe anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, and there's part of me that's thinking, does Toronto even take this deal? Could they get better options out maybe there? They and, they, and they could, you know. Especially if they're going into a rebuild, like I think Isaiah Jackson is definitely a player that the yes. Raptors would be interested in. Chris Duarte, don't know if he really screams yeah, Raptors yeah. level player, but you know he's still on a rookie deal, so losing he's Gary an Trent might lose yeah, Van Vliet, so you got an opening. 
Yeah, it's good insurance there for that. And if they go into rebuild mode, I think that does kind of help you maybe make this trade happen. So, yeah, I mean, I'm talking to myself into it the more and more I talk about it. Ooh. So, you know, I'm 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 in flashy. Why, hey, why we not? Got him. Why not? Why not? So, uh, yeah, it's not that I don't want him. It's just I want him to resign here, and that's my biggest oh, fear. Too. But my last one here, which I already kind of teased a little bit, it is a John Collins trade, and it's kind of funny because I don't know if you saw it today or not. I think it was Dampa Valley from Bleacher Report put out a huge article talking about like different trade ideas and stuff like that. And these two names were brought up as players the Pacers could get. I will say I made this before Dan's thing came out. I made it on Saturday. So, you know, I did just have Dan on the podcast. We did not talk about this off air either. So it's kind of funny that we had the same names coming to the Pacers, but um, John Collins, Justin holiday coming to the Indiana Pacers. Okay. Fachi going out to the Atlanta Hawks. You've got Jalen Smith. You've got the Cavs pick. You've got that Houston Rockets second round pick, and you've also got Buddy Heal. Now, this is where it does get interesting because, like you said earlier, the Hawks want to win now. I think Buddy can help them win now. Now, he's probably going to have to come off the bench and be a six man type of guy for him because you can't start him with Murray, Trey Young. That'd be terrible defensively. Now, the reason why I didn't do Duarte was one, because I was trying to use different players and not use Duarte in all my trades. But at the same time, you have to wonder, like Jalen Smith is a good replacement for John Collins if they want to go that way. But I, you know, Jalen Johnson is a guy they have on the bench that's been playing pretty well when given the opportunity. They've got DeAndre Hunter. They could also slide down and play at the four as well. Uh, but in this deal, you're giving up two picks. You know, you're giving up the Cavs pick and that Houston pick, which is, you know, uh, 31st overall, which is good for that cap opportunity, like we saw with Andrew Nimhard's deal and how the Pacers were able to work out that four-year contract by by getting him in that second round. And like you said, when you were with Michael Scotto, some people think they should be taking on a first-round pick to take on John Collins. So this is why I kind of went this route. The Pacers are giving up a starter. They're giving up uh, a, a rotational young player and then two decent pick so it's not something i love it's not something i don't know if the hawks would love it either but they're getting off justin holiday who's not playing i think he'd actually be a nice fit with the pacers because we already know what he can do coming in here playing with tj mcconnell and you can take a risk on john collins here who is owed a lot of money and i think that's also something that you have to factor in here is how much money he's making so it was buddy the Cavs pick right the yep. rockets pick and who was the other player jalen smith Man, I don't. I, it might be too much. It might you think, be. You think Buddy's more than Duarte in terms of value? Yeah, I, I do. I do because you're talking about the guy who leads the NBA in three pointers made. He's under contract next year at a very reasonable nineteen million dollars, and we know right now that if you trade Buddy, like, yes, obviously Benedict Mathurin can be upgraded in, into the lineup, but the way that the Pacers, their style of wanting to. You know, shoot a bunch of threes, you're you're missing a big hole there. And obviously the chemistry with Halliburton. So I want John Collins, but I'm wondering if this is too much between including Buddy. The second round pick, obviously, I, I can move on from that. And the Cavs pick, but also, I think it might be too much. Okay. It, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Karis LeVert trade with the Cavs last year because, you know, we did trade away Karis LeVert we got back Ricky Rubio's contract, which is kind of what Buddy Hield's contract would be in this deal right here because 
I, I think, like you said, we have a log jam at shooting guard. And I think Benedict Matherin is averaging like 23 points a game over the last four games. So mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those things where you just really want to see him get that opportunity to be that starting shooting guard. You don't want to have Buddy Heald in the way. And I feel like as long as Buddy's here, he, he could be in the way of what Matherin that. Uh, could be in the future. And so this is honestly a deal, the more I think about it, is something that probably could happen in the offseason. If John Collins is not moved, the Hawks decide they want to go a different direction. You trade Buddy Hill to the Hawks. There's no Justin Holiday involved. The Pacers pretty much just take back uh, John Collins' cap, you know, in the in the in the summer because you're going to have, I think, close to forty one million dollars in cap space this summer. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities there where you could make this deal in the offseason instead of right now at the deadline. But if you want to see what you got with John Collins, you know, is it worth parting with Buddy? And I think part of the reason I did that is because I was trying to make sure the salary still matched up okay because I did include. Justin Holiday in the trade as well, which he's making about six million dollars. So that's why I had to include uh, Buddy Heald instead of doing the the smaller deal like you had done with the contract. So it's it's more so move off Buddy to get Matherin in the starting position. You know, give them another veteran that can help them win. I think that probably Duarte still has more value than Buddy Heald in the trade, and that's why when you said it was too much. I fear that actually if you were to throw Duarte in this trade instead, it'd be more than a, more than too much because of what his value could be. Now, do you think you could do this trade without the Cleveland first-round pick? If it was Buddy, Jalen Smith, and the Rockets pick? I don't think so, in my opinion, because I think just the fact that they're getting that first-round pick makes it feel better. You know what I'm saying? It definitely makes it feel better, but you are getting a potentially, you know, like 31st overall pick. So it's not quite a first-round pick, but it's just right about there. And I think that that would make me feel a little bit better. I already feel, not to say, like, wrong trading buddy, but, you know, (laughs) there's definitely, like, that feeling that you're kind of like, oh, like, I I can't say goodbye to him. You do it. You know, you you got to trade him, not me. But uh, I I wonder if you could – because this is a solid deal for the Hawks of wanting to win now. You add Buddy and Jalen Smith coming off the bench – for the Hawks, or maybe you plug in Jalen at, at the for whatever it is that they want to do, that gives them a, a deeper team with also a good good pick over there. And I, I think that it's going to be tough to get a, a better deal than the one that you offered for John Collins right now. You got to give up something to get something. And I think like the the one trade I think I've seen out there that's kind of been like floated around is like looking at John Collins going to the Jazz and Malik Beasley being a guy that's coming back for him. So. That's why I'm like, okay, Malik Beasley, Buddy Hield, they're pretty similar, obviously, in terms of like position and where they'd be playing at for the Hawks because Malik Beasley, I would assume, would come off the bench, and I believe Buddy Hield would probably be doing the same thing if they were to trade for him. I, just like I said, I just can't imagine him starting with that group. Now, he does provide some legit scoring for them, and you have to wonder, are Buddy and Trey like a good fit together? Probably not. Probably not. Probably shooting a lot of deep threes and all that, or just threes in general. But it, was that deal just Malik Beasley straight up? For I don't John really Collins? know what I've seen. It's just kind of like that just it's, it's kind of like a centered piece around him. You know, there's a lot of misinformation out there right now, and usually stuff that gets out now, you know, it's not realistic. Yeah. So, but I can kind of see the Pacers just feel like they have to give up something to get something back. And while Buddy Hill moving him, like I've been a proponent of not trading Buddy. I've been tweeting it That's all wrong, season man. long. You know, don't trade Buddy. He means too much of this team. So, honestly, the, the main reason why I did it is like, okay, you got Miles, you got Matherin, you got Halliburton. Who's the next big piece that you want to go out and get? So, yeah, 
and and like you said, even if you did your Duarte Isaiah Jackson trade um, for OG and Anobi, you could still probably do that and get John Collins. So now you're looking at Collins and OG in a trade. So a dream, right? That's all I'm saying. Uh, all I'm saying, it gives you more options to just continue to add. Uh, it, it would it would be an intriguing deal. I'm sure I could sell myself on on if we get John Collins anyway. But if there's a way to hold on a buddy and still get him, yeah, then I'd be a big fan of that. So Alex, those are our five deals. I did have one or two honorable mentions. Do we want to run through those briefly? You tell me. Yeah, go ahead and hit me with your honorable mention. I have another one that I want to bring oh. up uh, okay. for honorable mentions as well. So I got to find it though because I sent it to somebody a couple of days ago and it's been buried in my text messages so go ahead and give me yours and i'll uh find mine all right i got i got two of them one is a deal that you mentioned it, it feels like the deal that just makes too much sense it's a trade involving the pacers and the clippers it's daniel tice going to the clippers he fits right into their uh trade exception which is set to expire before the end of the year uh and the pacers get a 2024 second round pick and they take the flyer on moses brown 7-2 center, still just 23 years old, showed flashes a few years ago. More of a classic, just, hey, you know what? It's better than nothing, A more of a project. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I don't hate it. I think it's interesting. I like Moses Brown. I mean, he's a big guy, so. He's very uh, big. How tall he, is he? 7-2. Okay, yeah, I say he's a pretty big guy. I remember watching us play against him before. Don't he, love his game, obviously. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty basic, but. Second round pick, get off Tyson's money. I'm for it. I think the reason why I really like him was a couple of years ago when he was with uh, it might have been it might have been OKC. I, I can't remember. He had like 20 rebounds against us. Um, so that sounds it, about it, right. No, and that's <laughs> why I've always believed. Maybe it was because that was like the end of the Bjorkren era where things were going like <laughs> really south. But uh, I, I've always had my eye on him since then. Okay. Uh, the other deal that I have is. Um, Let's see. Okay, so the other deal that I have, and this is an interesting one. This involves the Denver Nuggets. Now, we've heard this man is available. No way. Yeah. It's probably all right, talk to me about this one. Bones Highland, all right? Why? We have so no, many guards. I understand. I understand. So this is why it's an honorable mention, because I was close to deleting it. It's TJ McConnell, and it's a Boston Celtics first-round pick. Now it could mm. be too much, but tell me, tell me. Here's where we got. You're getting rid of 13 million dollars from TJ McConnell, Bones Highland, really good three point shooter. He's younger. He's under contract for the next two seasons before restricted free agency at just 2.2 million dollars. The Nuggets said they're looking to upgrade defensively or get a first round pick. In this situation, they're getting both. Maybe you could do it at just McConnell. But if you definitely wanted to get the deal done, McConnell and the Celtics first-round pick, what are your thoughts on this? Man, this is tough because I like Bones Highland, but he don't I like him too. lick a defense. He does not. He does not. You're going to get uh, good three-point shooting with him. That's it. Don't think we need it. Like you said earlier, we, we got too much three-point shooting anyway. When I brought up the Amir Coffee trade, and that was like your big reason for not liking that, you're like, well, we don't need any three-point shooters. Like, you know, we got enough of those kind of guys, so why take a flyer on that kind of guy? So – uh yeah, that's that's kind of why I'm out on this one. Not that I don't I think Bones Island's probably a, gonna have a better career overall than TJ McConnell, I would assume. You know, a lot of people appraise Bones Highland for what he's done. And like I haven't even looked at his numbers this year, to be honest with you. 
the fact that they're willing to get off of him in Denver makes me a little bit skeptical. It, it surprised me. Yeah, so I I don't think I would go towards this one, Flash, even though I'm not worried about the Celtics pick. I just think McConnell means more to this team. He does. Than Bowen's Highland would mean to us. So that's why I would say no. And, and I, t- I take no offense to that. That's why it was the, the seventh deal that I had. <laughs> uh, Bowen's Highland averaging 12.3 points per game. Um, he gives you three assists and he's shooting, I want to say it's 37%. So 38% from three. Last year he shot 37%. So you're getting a good three-point shooter. Um, at point guard, you know, we would be really young. He's only 22 years old. So obviously you got Halliburton, you got Bones Highland, you got Andrew Nemhard as your three-point guards. But obviously playing time could be a little bit tough. He's basically taking McConnell's minutes. My thought over here is that McConnell's value is maybe at a, the best that it's going to be right now. And I understand mm-hmm. if the Pacers don't want to move on from him, but if you do, you know, Bones is a guy that was just a first-round pick in 2021. So he's a better Yeah, player. the Pacers need to get better defensively, though, too. So that's, yeah, that's the only thing. Very true. So Bones Highland's not helping their defense. No, he's not. Um, and, I, and I meant to throw this out there. I had it in my notes, and I didn't say it, but when I was explaining my Jalen Smith for a mere coffee trade, I said, if you hate this deal, you can, you can swap Daniel Tice for Jalen Smith in this trade because of their trade exception, like you mentioned earlier, for the Moses Brown thing. And I said, but you have to wonder if the, the Clippers would really want to pay that you know extra tax by taking in somebody like that. But, I mean, it does make some sense. Yeah, now it, it does. If they, I mean, Steve Ballmer is like. He don't care. He's as rich as it gets. Yeah. So if, if someone's going to pay the tax, it's going to be Steve. So uh, I, I do think that ties to the Clippers. It's a deal that we've honestly talked about like before the season started. But hey, uh, did you have your last deal? Yeah, so this is one that I threw out and I and I sent it to my good friend, Rhett Bauer, over working friend with. the show. Yeah, good he's man. working with. I Pacers blog a little bit now nice. instead of doing the um, the eight points, nine seconds. But me and him were colleagues there. I, did he ever write for us when we uh, did? I, I don't think so, but he made a, a bunch of appearances on yeah. Set of the Pacers. He, he might have written for us before for uh, PacersTalk.net. I can't remember. But we love Rhett. Rhett's an awesome guy. So I threw this trade out at him. I said, what do you think about this trade? Jalen Smith, the Boston pick, and the Rockets pick. Going back to Houston for a Golden State 2024 second-round pick, the contract of Mo Harkless because he's an expiring, and my guy, Tari Eason. Ooh, I, and I was wondering what you were saving for last <laughs> because there was a lot of mystery of, like, why are we giving up that many picks for what you've mentioned? Um, for Tari, man, I, I, I believe in him. He was one of your man crushes of the draft. I really feel like that's a player that if you can get him, man. So you're talking about Jalen Smith, the Rockets pick, and was it the Celtics pick? Uh, Rockets and Celtics, yeah. So 30 and 31, basically. If we could do it, I'm definitely in. Yeah. That was a big thing. It's like, would, and this honestly, this feels like a draft day trade, and that's what me and Red actually talked about. We're like, this feels more like on draft day, there's somebody there that the Rockets really like. And you can kind of convince him that you want Tari's because I think Tarisen's a baller, man. Like that's a guy yeah. I really wanted the Pacers to get back into the lottery for. I think he's better than Jeremy Sohan, who was taken ninth overall from the Spurs. You know, there's a lot of praise right now for what Tari's done with Houston, but they've been such a terrible roster and terrible team. They stink. 
you know, who knows what's going to happen with them. So that's why I was just like, okay, give them another two extra picks with, I think they have the Nets pick as well next year. So they have a lot of they ammo. Do. They can move up in the draft. Would this help them? So maybe Tari's and helps them more than one of the picks that we give them or both the picks we give them. You never know, but I love Tari's and if there's a way I could get him, that's what I would do. So that's why I didn't throw it in there. I didn't feel like it was a super realistic one. I, I would, I even, I would probably is. do this with Isaiah Jackson if it was instead of Jalen Smith. And that's, that's what more what I think it would take because for Isaiah Jackson, you're getting, you know, I know Jalen Smith is still young, but Ijax I think has more upside. And, and I, I do think he's cheaper uh, not that it's, it's an issue to Houston, but I don't think they do the deal that you presented. I would love to do that deal. I know you would and probably every other Pacer fan, but I think if you are going to catch their attention, it probably does have to be as a Jackson. Yeah. And another one I had written down when I uh, first had erased my Turner trade, once the extension happened, I was looking at the Hornets because, you know, I love Jalen McDaniels, not Jaden McDaniels, the, uh, the brother of the one you were trying to trade for. And I, he's an expiring contract. He's only making about $1.9 million. So, Pacers are rumored to have interest in him right now, according to Shams, I believe it was. So, or Michael Scotto, I forget who put that one out there. But, you know, they could just get him out and outright in free agency. So, they might not want to offer too much. But I had thrown around a trade of like Terry Taylor plus that Rockets pick for McDaniels. Yeah, I guess at that point, I'd, I'd probably rather just wait. Just because, I mean, like the Patriots, and and you know what? I think forever, the way that Nemhard played in the beginning of the year has me thinking, oh, a second round pick. Like, if it's top yeah. 35, you never know. So, you just my biggest thing is like, you just, you're not going to use all these picks. So, you're not. Maybe, even if it was a Celtics pick, like trade the Celtics pick because that's guaranteed money, and maybe O'Shea Brissett, you know, an expiring deal for Jaden uh, McDaniels. Is it Jaden or Jalen? I'm getting confused. Jalen. Jalen, okay. Jaden's the yeah. one you liked, okay. Yeah. I'm getting their names confused as we're talking, but the one from the Rockets. So that's the one that I would look at. You know, O'Shea isn't expiring as well, but at the same time, he isn't expiring. So that's the only thing you worry about. Don't want to give up too much to get him. But if you you get him in here and he really likes it and you can resign him, kind of like my whole point I made with Kuzma, that would mm. be my similar thing here, just uh, a lot smaller scale. Yeah, Um Man, that, I, I really do think that Jalen is, is is a real solid player that the Pacers should have interest in re-signing if they were to make a move, averaging about 11-5 and five on 45% shooting from the field. Doesn't tell the full story, though, um, over steal per game. Uh, I guess if you're looking at the Rockets pick and Terry Taylor, I guess maybe I'm back onto that <laughs> just because I know there's really not that much of a difference between what could the Boston Celtics pick that could be 30th and the Rockets pick that could be 31, but there's something about like oh, first round pick for a guy hitting free agency. Like, mm. Yeah, no, I get that. That's why I said Rockets pick at first. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to give up no first round pick for a guy that could be leaving in three months. Yeah. I think I rolled the dice and just pursue him in free agency. Yeah. Only but, reason why is if you feel like you have a chance to make a playoff push this yeah. year a little bit and you want to see what he could look like in a playoff series. That's the only thing. Yeah, now it, it would be interesting, but I, I probably just rolled the dice in free agency. Okay. But if we made the deal, wouldn't hate it. I would just yeah. say y- you better get that man comfortable and get him to re-sign because, you know, we got to make this work long term now. Yeah. No, I got you, Faji. So that's our that's our annual trade stuff. So it wasn't as juicy as before, but it, I thought there were still some pretty good trades out there that we threw out and just some conversations to have. So I'm, I'm sure people will enjoy that. Of course. I mean, outside of getting laughed off of Zoom for my uh, Jaden McDaniels trade, I, I thought the rest of them <laughs> I'm sorry. were... It's okay. Hey, I'll, I'll take it when it's due. Uh, I, I think the rest of them were realistic, <laughs> nothing too crazy. 
I, I think a lot of them, what we're kind of looking at is upgrading that the four position in, in a lot of deals was kind of, you know, that's the weak spot of the Pacers right now. Mm-hmm. I think you could see that wings aren't growing on trees. So, you know, that that's kind of where the Pacers are at. Not many blockbuster moves, more small upgrades, but you never know. There could be a splash of a John Collins. Um, but o- overall, I had fun today. I hope you guys enjoy this one. And, uh, Alex, we uh, take it on home. Go ahead, Fachi. Let them know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast. Yes, all of that has to be typed in to find it that way, or you can just type in setting the pace YouTube on Google or find our link on Instagram. We have it there, and our link tree also has the link to YouTube as well. So make sure you guys check that out. Subscribe. Let us know what you think. This video will be up there for you all to check out. So if you're listening to this on the audio and you want to see the video, going to have graphics of the trades and even the Ottawa Mitchell ones I might throw together. Don't know if I'm going to have time for that one. But we're going to try to have some stats, too, from the players as well. So you're not just looking at my ugly mug and Fachi's nice beard over there. So with that being said, Fachi, if you're glad that Miles Turner was able to come to a contract extension with the Pacers on a very team-friendly deal, and this Pacers team now has a core of Matherin, Halliburton, and Turner to build around, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.